first of all, let me say it's a pleasure to be with you guys. I, my wife and I, uh, can you throw that slide up for my family? Let's go there real quick. So my wife and I have birthed our three kids in, Mar in the country where I live. And so uh, someone said, a, uh, they accused me of saving airline tickets by birthing my kids there instead of birthing them here. I thought, you know, whatever it works. But uh, we found it works great. And they speak, uh, my oldest speaks French as a first language and then English. And then, of course, Arabic's third. And then English and Arabic is the same. When they walk into school, they just speak French and Arabic. They don't speak a word of English. They learn all their stuff in, in Arabic, math, science, all that stuff. Isn't that wild? It's just, I think that's amazing. So that's our family. We speak English in the home because I don't speak French. I, my wife and I speak Moroccan Arabic. Oh, I just said it again. Whatever. So, the, so I, I'm going to slip all of the time. But we're back in the States for like a couple more months. We deploy back to Morocco. And <laughs> I mean, we haven't been five minutes yet. Okay. Back to the place where I live uh, in, in July, inshallah. And it's, yes, it's one of those inshallahs that's going to work. So I, I know that's because it's God's heart. So here we go. So that's my family. Well, I think there's another slide there. There's our family of us. It, how, I mean, COVID. How many of you guys are feeling like it's just, you're just getting your head above water? I mean, come, I mean, and now we're talking about like nations. So I realize this is an emotional stretch. I just want to acknowledge that. But here we are. We were, in, we were in the country in which I love. How about that? We'll try that for, okay, the country in which I love. Uh, and my, we were just putting together some food things for the lost, the lost around us. So this country in which I love has, this, it's the, has the same population as the state, 40 million people. There's a mountain range that runs from north to south. It's long and narrow. It's got a lot of beachfront property, just like this place. 40 million people here. How many believers are in this wonderful state of California? Take a guess, someone. Throw out a number. I'll even act like I'm drinking something so someone will talk. <laughs> I'm not talking. I'm drinking right now. <laughs> okay. How many? 17 million? Okay. Someone else? Is that good? 20, 30, 10? 10. All right, great. Whatever you think, that's what. How many believers do you think live in this country in which I love? How many? Oh, you were here last night. Yeah. <laughs> 3,000 believers. That's tough, isn't it? Why? 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 Because no one came to tell them about Jesus for hundreds of years. And the country is 99.8% Muslim, so they just do what they want. There's not even a Christian minority like, say, Egypt or Israel or Lebanon or Jordan or all these other countries, Turkey. Um, no Christian minority. So when my daughters and my son go to school, they do the... Islamic Sunday school right in the class, in, in school. Why not? Because everyone, everyone's, everyone are Muslims in this country in which I love. So I have to, they were, we've had to fight through the whole idea of them memorizing the Quran in school. Do you guys have those issues here? I don't think you do. <laughs> we all have our challenges, don't we? Okay. <laughs> anyway, this is, um, but I just thought that was for perspective. And 
in this country in which I love is, is called World A, which we're going to get to in a little bit. It's a place where there's just hardly any access at all to the gospel. And that's why we're here to talk about that. So let me just do a review. If you weren't here last night, really quickly, we, we talked about, we started out with my wife and I's story. Again, 17 years in Morocco. I was in Turkey for two and a half years. My wife was in Afghanistan. So we talked about, but we talked about how our lives started out as broken cisterns. Cisterns are these places in ancient cities where they held water for the city. And so, so it, Jeremiah 2.13 says, my people, talking about the people of God, my people have committed two small mistakes. No, two evils. Evils. They've forsaken me, the first one, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And then, oh good, they put it. And they broke and they've hewed out for themselves cisterns that can hold no water. So I, do I have a picture of this? I think we have a picture of a cistern up here. This is in Istanbul, uh, Istanbul uh, the old city of Constantinople. It's a picture of a, this is, a, this is an actual cistern. And it held the water for the city. And it, as you can see, it would obviously be filled up. It's a beautiful place under there with all the lights and stuff. But back in the day, it held the water for the city. And if it were cracked or broken, the water for the city which gave life would, would, would fall out. It wouldn't be available. So we talked about our story and how God changed us and apprehended us because we heard the gospel. The gospel entered our hearts and our lives, and it put us into this, what we all talked about is the greatest cause on the planet. That is getting into this thing that God is doing, has been doing, and will be doing, which is redeeming people back to himself. And I made this, this pitch, this avocation for, for getting involved in the greatest cause on the planet. World hunger is a great one. Human trafficking, don't stop those, but don't miss out on this one. Because God's, God's doing it, and it's incredible. So, but one thing I didn't mention I thought would be worth mentioning today is what is a massive crack in the cisterns of your lives to hold the living water, which is God's presence? Don't we all want to hold that presence in this life? I mean, I don't want to be the, 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 the God is the, the fountain of living water. And I, if, when he comes in, I want it to stay as much as possible, not run out. One of the biggest cracks is, is surrender, a lack of surrender. I forgot to mention this last night. But when you follow, start following Jesus, you receive him in your life. And this was our story as well. It took us about three years before we realized, hey, he wants it. Thank you. He wants what? He does. He wants everything. And that causes us surrender. By my junior or senior year in college, I said, okay, Lord, whatever. If you want to send me to be a missionary, which I thought was the dumbest thing on the planet Please don't do me that. And then plus don't send me to Africa. That, that was it. And, but I said, Lord, if you want. And then I learned about how the greatest cause on the planet is redeeming people back to himself. Then I learned that there's so many that don't know the gospel. And to me, there wasn't a call. My wife's story is the same. It wasn't like, oh, part the sky as God said go. We're like, can we go? The Bible says go by default. The defaults go. In case you haven't read the Bible. Anyone read the Bible in here? Okay, I just want to see you. Make sure you guys, <laughs> the defaults go. Go check me out if you don't believe me. And so it was like, okay, well, then we go. Then we don't have, I mean, some God does like split the skies and tell people, go to such and such. But you can go voluntarily. The pay's the same. Okay? And so, <laughs> pay's the same. So, okay. So then anyway, so let me tell you where we're going to go. So before we, before we, um, 
We're gonna, I want to tell you a couple of stories of what God's doing. We're going to go through this thing called World A, World B, World C. We call it the World A, World B talk. And it's a bit of a fire hydrant of a little bit of dismal news. It's a shocker. I'm just going to tell you that right up front. And I'm purposely doing this to shock you. All right? Full disclosure. But I'm going to tell you some good news first, and then I'm going to tell you how we can get involved in this. Okay? Are you following me? We good? Can we all do that? Okay, if let me shock you a little bit. All right, here we go. All right, so let me tell you a couple things about what God is doing on planet Earth. His kingdom is growing and expanding faster than it ever has at any time on the planet. How do I know that? Well, I do read stories, and I, I can figure out the ones that are just totally fake and the ones that are real, okay? But the things, the stories I'm about to tell you are stories that are either first, firsthand, secondhand, or I've heard them secondhand from a person, a practitioner like myself, who is experiencing these things. These are trusted stories. Don't publish them. Some of them are like, we don't even know exactly the numbers. But I am, as a, as a worker, a missionary in the country in which I love, I also have the privilege, my wife and I also have the privilege of overseeing the whole area of, of North Africa. We have five teams in this area. And I also get to that causes me to network with other practitioners that are doing the same thing, both in my organiz our organization, Antioch, and then others. And these guys are some of the strangest and most eccentric and committed and amazing people I've ever met who are out there, people like us, who've gone to a different country, they've learned the language, they've been able to network with the local believers and see them start churches and catalyze those things to multiple, multiple generations. They call them church planting movements or discipleship making movements. And these people are doing, I mean, it, and so I go to these things a couple times a year and I'm just, just to learn firsthand. What is God doing and how can we learn from it to apply it back to this country in which I love? So let me start in this country in which I love. We work with a national partner who is named, someone pick a name. Jim. Jim, his name is Jim. His real name is Muhammad. <laughs> he, became, he became a believer, led his whole family to Christ in this country, which I love, that's 99.8% Muslim. And his whole family came to faith. He got kicked out of his neighborhood. People hated him. That's the biggest social pressure, mostly. You can go to jail as well, but most of it's social pressure. And so he then started leading groups, became a part of a tribe, which is something we talked a little bit about last night, becoming a part of a discipleship-making community. And I made a plug last night for if you're going to try to do this thing, like get involved in the greatest cause on the planet or try to impact World A, which I'm about to tell you in a minute, you need a tribe to do it with. You're not going to do it on your own. There's a great tribe here. This is a very missional community. If it's not this one, go find a tribe to be a part of. Get free from sin. You need a tribe to continue to walk with Jesus and keep your heart warm and, and, and on fire for him. Fiery in his presence. Contain those. To keep your cisterns uncracked. You need a, you need a tribe. And I propose this one's a great one, but that's my, that's my wife's story. So we hadn't even had a challenge. Commit to a tribe. Get involved. Pour yourself into this and then use it. Not to, it's a missional community. Let them help you change the world. So anyway, Jim is, is his name. Jim uh, Muhammad is part of this. Uh, he starts this community. He starts a discipleship-making movement tribe. And these guys... In a country where there's like 2,000 believers, they've started, I think, 45 or 50 churches. But what's stunning is they, 
looked at this country in which I love and broke it down into different regions, raised up regional leaders in every area who have trained them, and now they have people in every spot in the country. So if a contact comes in from like satellite television that's beamed in or other things, they can get to that person in 24 hours. Can we just praise the Lord for that? Praise the Lord Jesus. I mean, that is amazing. And they've started like 45 or 50 of these churches that meet in homes, that have leaders that they've developed, that meet, they can't meet in the same place every Sunday because the neighbors complain, they gotta move around. They train leaders by going and renting houses in the middle of nowhere. It's an interesting situation. He's been arrested, chased by the police, turned in by his leaders. Just, it's like what you read in the book of Acts. He's an amazing guy. And that's just a sort of a typical situation that's going on in this country in which I love. And what also is going on is that, generally speaking, the youth of these countries are, have connected to Facebook and are learning English. And they are, there's like almost a global youth culture that's, that's trying to understand what's going on around. And that's creating a greater openness in the, in the Muslim world. Let me tell you about the, one of the craziest things that's going on. There's a movement which I can't name their name. But basically, they're, we can call them the radicals. They're basically people who have come out of Daesh, uh, Daesh's, um, what's Daesh? Uh, Al-Qaeda and what's the, I mean, Al- ISIS, thank you. I could, the Arabic Daesh, okay. So, so ISIS, Al-Qaeda, these terrorist groups, these people have come out of these these groups have come to faith in Christ, and guess where they go back and reach people? They go to the easy middle-class guys who don't care. They actually don't know how to reach those guys. They go back to the radicals and share the gospel with them. They do things like getting involved in the community to help rescue. Uh, really, it's like kind of like human trafficking, rescuing kids that are being pulled into this. They know all these things to do, and they do it in a way where they're in like, Couple, they're like in, like, I want to say hundreds of countries. We're not quite sure. But this network spans across tens and 20, 30 countries, probably, 40 countries. We don't even know exactly what's going on. But what happens is a movement starts of locals. And then that movement starts another church, another movement, not just churches. And this movement's from multiple churches. And so we're talking about some numbers, we'll say conservatively, 20 million of these people across, I'm sorry, between 2 and 20 million, we don't even know. But this is stuff we're just finding out. What's going on that we don't even know about yet? God's kingdom is growing faster than any other time on the planet. This is the time to jump in. Don't miss out on what he's doing. And God's raising up people from all different parts of the world, third world countries, any world country, they're getting in. Don't get passed by. That's my heart. Don't get passed by. Okay, let's jump in to world A, B, and C, which is basically the remaining task. So if we're going to pour into our, we're gonna pour our lives into reaching people for Christ, how many are left unreached? Where do they live? And I'm going to pull up a graph that's going to blow your mind, and it's going to be all one. It's going to go fast here. So missiologists break up the world. Sometimes they say there's all these unreached people groups and blah, 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 all this great. Those are all great metrics. But I'm going to give you a metric that seems to make sense for an audience like this in, an, in a communication venue that we're doing. So they, they take the world and they just they make the big circle and they slice it in three. 
World A, World B, and World C. Now, just please follow me before you go to all of, oh, that's great. Perfect. So, World A, World B, and World C. So, World C is the Christian world. Just a lot of Christians, okay? Say, places in the United States. And these can be sub-pockets in different countries. It's not just geopolitical boundaries. You follow me? Okay. So, World C is the Christian world. Here is actually would be considered the Christian world. There's tons of unreached people here, right? Tons. But the fact is there are Californians who can go out and reach other Californians for the gospel. That's the key, access. You follow me? Okay, we're doing it. We're, we're tracking. And so there's about 2 billion of those people. This is, these are rough numbers, okay? World B is like the evangelized but still not yet Christian. Well, this is pockets of places in Russia, Indonesia, although Indonesia still has tons of has the most unreached people groups in the geopolitical boundary. And so this is like there's enough people in world B that you can, you can train to go reach their own people. And a local reaching their own people is 100 times mathematically more effective than me reaching a local. But we still need people like me and you to go in and get this thing going, okay? So we have, a, we have lots of different roles. But world A, and this is what rocked my world as a post-college student doing a thing called the Perspectives Course. And I saw this, I just, it just killed me. And I just, I mean, if I just appeal to your heart. World A is about, it's, it's about 2.5, 2. I think it's 2.2 billion. Of that, now hear me out, of those 2.2 billion, there's like a billion eight or a billion five that have like no access at all to the gospel. Let me give you an example of that. Khadija, a female name in the Arab world, could have a dream of Jesus, which is happening all the time, guys. Jesus is showing up to people in dreams and like entering their worlds in ways that I just, I mean, I can tell you stories that would make your, oh, just freak you out. Jesus is not being passive, all right? He is being way active. He shows up to Khadija in a dream, and for whatever reason, Muslims know it's Jesus, and I don't even know how. And guess what happens? She wakes up and goes, I had a dream. She goes and tells her family, I'm pretty sure that was Jesus. I don't know how they know this. This is still a mystery. But Khadija doesn't know any Christians. Khadija doesn't know where on the internet to find the Bible. She may not even have the internet. Khadija doesn't even know where to drive because she doesn't know what a church is. Khadija could drive for the top of Morocco, the top of the country I love. I knew. I was doing pretty good there for a while. All the way down to, to the south, which is like three-day drive, and she will not find one church that she could enter. There's some old French churches because the French used to rule Morocco, but they, they're not allowed to go in. This is serious stuff. That's World A. So let's take, so you think, okay, great. Well, Matthew 24, 14, you guys know what it says, right? This, Jesus says to his disciples, when the world's going to end, how's it going to end? The disciples say to Jesus, how's this world going to come down and, and finally end and you come back? And what does he say? Earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and all this kind of stuff. Matthew 24, read the chapter. And he says, but I'm not coming back until this gospel of the kingdom, until it's preached, it must be preached must is a, like, has to. Not passive, not negotiable. 
This gospel of the kingdom must be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to every ethne, every ethnic group. There's five in Morocco in the geopolitical boundaries. And then the end will come. Well, the Christian, Christians read the Bible, right? We read the Bible? We read it, right? Just tell me to check it. Good. And so, and we also read like Matthew 28, 18 through 20. What does that say? That's a great commission. Go and make disciples. If it just said go and make disciples, my kids would not be speak French, my kids would not speak French and Arabic. I would not have learned Turkish and Arabic, which are really hard languages, and I'm not great at them. I like could have a PhD in the time I did learning <laughs> these languages. It was the right focus. It was the right focus. And so Jesus said, go make disciples of the nations. So how many nations are left to reach? Well, we've got about 2 billion. So let's let me just give you a metric that these missiologist guys use. They call this thing witness words. It's just a funny, I think it's kind of funny. This is the cumulative effort of the church outside the four walls of the church. Anything the church does, walk across the street and hand someone a tract. Do a marketing thing. All of this includes the Jesus film. It includes mission trips. It includes everything. It includes everything we're trying to do outside the four walls of the church. They call that witness words. And guess where the church is investing all of their witness words? We read the Bible, right? So we should all go to world A. Can you throw that thing back? Wait, hold on. It should all go to world A, right? How much... What percentage of our witness words as a church cumulative are going to world A, world B, and world C? What would you guess? 80% C? 0% C? I wish it was 0% C. It can't be 0% because we, we need it in every, it's a both and, not either or. Life is mostly both and, not either or. So, but we want to see, okay, let me just give you a phrase here that might help. This is a little bit of a tangent, but. Currency of heaven is what? We're going to get to heaven, and what's the currency going to be? Dollars? Dirhams? So God's heart beats people. 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 The currency of heaven is... The currency of heaven is... The currency of heaven is what? People. That's what God's heart is. And if we love God, we say we love, we say we love Jesus, but don't love the things he loves. We don't love him. If you say you love Jesus, but don't love the things he loves, lost people, your love is shallow. I'm, I'm sorry. You can go to every worship. You can play worship songs all night. You can sit at his feet all you want. But if you're not loving the things he loves, your love's shallow. We sit at his feet to be his hands. We sit at his feet to get filled up to go do his, to his work. It's a both and. So our witness words, let's get back to them. Can you throw that slide back up there? It's pretty sad. And this is what shook me, and this is why I'm in world A. Is there another slide that shows the, the percentages? So let's just go for it. It doesn't matter. World C is like 98%, like it's 97 point something. Our witness words are going to world C. Not bad, 
But we can't, I mean, that's crazy. So world B is about 2%. What is world A? Less than 1%. Most of the missionaries are going to places that are already reached, already have a local population that can carry the gospel. The city I'm from in Texas has lots of unreached people, but there are lots of churches. We need to go someplace where there's no access to get things going. When I saw this, I just wept. I, I, I was like, I remember driving back from the, the, the session and the perspectives class when I heard this, and I had no college debt, thanks to my parents. I thought, Lord, I'm like 22 years old. I don't know, I was 24 years old. Lord, I was 23. I, Lord, can I just, would you just let me, could I just spend my whole life trying to make world C A, I mean, world A smaller? Can I just spend every ounce of my life until I die just trying to get the gospel to world A? Would you let me do that? What do you think he said? No? <laughs> I mean, I think that was like after surrender, after receiving him, after surrender, getting to the place where I am just want what he wants and love what he loves. All right. I don't know about you, but that's, that is a fire hydrant of bad news. So how are we going to close this thing out? I want to, I mean, I would, I've become, I'm sort of an old guy. And so I've learned the hard way. I, I mean, in ministry in the early days, I tried to do ministry out of my own power source. Had the right vision, but the wrong power source. Um, it's a great journey. And so these days I'm trying to be more his, I've got the right vision, but relying on his power source. We're going to turn the power source open tonight, this morning, excuse me, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to, let, we're going to ask him to speak to you in your, in your seat. And I'm just going to simply ask you to be quiet and connect with God and ask him what your role might be in reaching world A. Can we do that? I'm going to kind of coach you through this, but I want you just to kind of, I'm kind of getting you built up for this. And, but before we get there, I wanted to show you a couple people who are like sort of a cloud of witnesses, people who've gone before us, who've done this. This isn't something new, which is what we learned last night, the gospel, which is the greatest cause on the planet, redeeming people back to himself. God's been doing that since the beginning of time. So here's a few people who've done this, who've gone before us. I could talk about people in our own movement who are doing this. It's an incredible. Antioch has like 150 teams overseas. There's, I think, what is it, like 50 U.S. church plants that are trying to build. Part of the vision here is to try to become a, a discipleship-making tribe here and there for him. And so, so it's a cool place to be. Let's look at a couple of these verses. Do we have a slide on uh, Lilius Trotter, Amy Carmichael, or what do we have up there? Show us what we got. We only need maybe. We have time for one. Okay, there's Lilius Trotter. Here's Amy Carmichael. Let's see. Do we have what she said? She said... Um, she grew up in North, Northern Ireland. She sailed, sailed, <laughs> sailed, not flew, sailed to India in, at age 29. Started a church, orphanage, rescued children from a life of temple prostitution. Died in India 55 years later. She wrote 35 books. She said something like, uh, a call to follow Jesus is a chance to die. 
I mean, I think she's got a lot of currency in heaven. What do you think? Hudson Taylor. We have Hudson Taylor up there. We have left. We got Hudson Taylor. This guy, I mean, really, um, when he landed in China in, in, in like 1850s, people like laughed at him. He was not a dynamic guy. He wasn't uh, charismatic. He, he didn't have probably straight, great leadership gifts, but he had a big heart. And I think God helped him. And so he ends up, he's like a, he's, he was born in Yorkshire, Yorkshire, England. And he, he um, you can see all those things. He, was, he founded CIM. It's a mission organization. Spent 51 years in China, died there. And he's known for taking the gospel from the coastal parts into the interior, dressing like Chinese people, learning Chinese. By the end of, by end, end of his life, he had started a medical clinic and was taking care of Chinese people, lost a couple of his kids. They just died for whatever reasons. I think he had two wives. He had not at the same time. <laughs> One died. I should clarify that. In the Muslim world, we clarify that a lot. So, so, but this guy, this guy's life was, he said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. We talked about Eric Little last night. Um, Chariots of Fire won the 1924 Olympics in, in, in a running event and then went back, went to China, laid all that fame and popularity down. So there's one more guy, J.O. Frazier. I love this guy. I don't know if we've got a, yeah. This guy was a brilliant guy. He was an incredible athlete. He, he, had, he, was, he was a musician. He was an engineer, top of his class, read a tract in this is what this track said that caused him to change his whole projection of his life. He went on to China to reach a group of people called the Lisu in, Lisu in southern China, who then were able to reach the Han Chinese later in a, what's known as the largest people movement in China. This happened in the last 20 years. But he went from village to village preaching the gospel and gave up many times until he got more people to pray for him. And he said, this is, this is the track. This is a bit of a, this is a fire hydrant for you. I know this is heavy stuff, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. And so he said, if our master returned to find millions of people unevangelized and looked, as of course he would look, to us for an explanation, I cannot imagine what explanation we should have to give. Of one thing I am certain, the most that, I'm sorry, of one thing I am certain, that most of our excuses, which are, we, are accustomed to, um, we are accustomed to now, I'm sorry, let me read that again, that, uh, that most of the excuses we are accustomed to make with such good confidence, good conscience, now we shall be wholly ashamed of then. Again, turn our eyes to heaven. The currency of heaven is people, people, people. All right, let's get back to our, our closing time. I want you to get comfortable Find a spot where you can just kind of deal with God for a few minutes. Now remember, I don't know, I'm going to catch you up real quick. Last night we talked about ways to get involved in the Great Commission. I'm sorry you've heard messages where it just says you have to go or stay. But there's so many other options. We need computer programmers, web developers, app, app developers. We need, we need uh, people who to, to reach the ethnically diverse people here in California. World A has come to you guys. Okay, you don't have to just go, okay? We need people who will focus on intercession and prayer. 
We need people who will go short-term. How many people have gone on a short-term trip in this place? Man, it changes you. It it ruins your life for the normal. You can never live the same, mostly. If you don't, then come to Morocco, come to the country which I love, and we'll ruin your life for the kingdom forever, I promise. (laughs) So go long-term. That helps, but it's not enough. Businessmen, if you're a business person, we need your business skills to help us start businesses in these countries. We need people to sacrifice financially. All right. Are you ready? You guys ready? Give me a thumbs up. This is pretty big. This is pretty serious stuff. I'm going to ask the power of the Holy Spirit to come and just speak to you. You're a believer. You know him. He's good at this. He's really good at this. I've seen this happen in just incredible ways, and people are changed. God speaks. God might speak to you, and I don't know how he's going to do it, but this is how it happens sometimes. So be open to this as well. Sometimes, you, remember, what are we asking? Let's be really clear. What are you asking? Lord, what is my role in reaching world A? So let's be clear. What are you asking the Lord right now? Lord, what is my role in world A? Lord, what is my role, me, sitting in this chair, role right now in world A? Maybe it changes in five years, but right now, what is your role? He might give you a picture. He might be a picture of a flag. He might give you the name of a country. This has happened before. You might even not know the name of the country, especially if you're an American that's bad on geography. (laughs) He might give you an impression. He might give you a burning desire, a scripture. He might highlight one of these practicals. Let's see what he does. All right? If you need to bow your head, that's great. You need to look down, whatever you do. Okay, so here we go. I'm simply going to ask the Holy Spirit to come more than he is now because he's already here. And I'm going to ask him to speak to you. What is your role? You ready? Here we go. So Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for my friends here. I want to thank you so much. It's such a privilege to just to be here with them. I love what you're doing in this place, this tribe. It's such a cool discipleship-making community and tribe that's so focused. Lord, I pray you'd visit us here and help us send so many people to the nations, both that live in our neighborhoods and then live overseas. Lord, World A is a desperate need, and it's the greatest cause. You're bringing people back to yourself, and they live in places that don't have the access to the gospel, and they're not, it's not easy to get there. That's why they're still there. So, Lord, I'm asking you to do what you're so good at. Speak to people and show them the role. So right now, Lord, I ask that you just come by the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just come and fall on us right now and speak to my friends. Just speak to them. I'm going to give you three, four, five minutes here just 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 to deal with God. Don't let the... Just let the, just let, just focus. Lord come, Lord come, Lord come. Okay, I'm just gonna read you this passage as we break out this. It says, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us or compels us, persuades us. This is what's going on right now. We're getting compelled, persuaded. The love of Christ controls us, compels us. 
because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. That's Jesus, of course. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for, for him who died for their sake and was raised again. love of God is one of the greatest motivators. I want to uh, leave you with this idea that if you love, if you say that you love God and don't love the things you love, your love is shallow. Ask Him to fill you with a deeper love so that your love for Him is so much higher than the competing passions of this world. Our greatest desire is for more love for Him. To say to His feet so we can be His hands. Tell someone that you are what you've talked about, what you feel like the God, what you feel like God has spoken to you. Community, remember, tribe. Work with each other. Share this with your friends, your life group. I don't know what uh, Maggie's the mission person here. Share with with her what's going on. Tell someone. 